It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. On this uh, 19th day of August, 2015, we're here with co-host Jay Basser. And today, Alicia uh, with Bergman and Moore. It's always a pleasure to have her on here. How you doing, Alicia? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Oh, we're we're doing great. We're doing great. You put a smile on her face. Good. Oh, man. This is great. Uh, You got some good news for us. Do I have good news for you? What good news are you hoping for? (laughs) Well, I want my claim. I want to win my claim. Uh, yeah, uh, well, what's happening at Bergman and Moore? Are they doing anything exciting? Are we doing anything exciting? Yeah, we've had some interesting wins lately. Oh, now that's news. Yeah, we had like one that was... Yeah, we had a great one. It was a surviving spouse claim, and um, the veteran died um, from uncontrolled diabetes, and he was service-connected for PTSD. And because of the PTSD, he had a lot of difficulty managing his diabetes. Um, He didn't like going to the treatment provider and didn't trust the medication, and it gave him a lot of anxiety. And he wasn't able to take care of himself the way he normally would have been if he didn't have the PTSD. And so we were able to argue that the PTSD was the underlying cause of the uncontrolled diabetes, and VA finally agreed with us, and the board granted it. Violence, uh, that's got to be a new one. It was an interesting uh, one for us, definitely. That took a lot of work. Uh, I would imagine. Yes, it did. How in the world did you get the VA to do that? Oh, man, it's not, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's out of character for the VA, I'm sure. It, you had it to get is, opinions although, and everything. Yeah, yeah, we get some strong medical opinions for our cases. Yes. Oh, awesome. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was an interesting that's, one for us. And, you don't see and cases you know, like I feel like it's, it's, well, no, you don't, especially with PTSD, and and uh, it, it's hard to say. Well, uh, by the unfortunate. Uh, stances of uh, circumstances of the veteran having PTSD, you know, this happened, that happened. I can see a lot of different things happening to poor veteran with PTSD. Exactly. You know, veteran, veteran thinks PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder, but on the other, other other side of the fence, I'm thinking they're thinking that they, they you know, they think it's, it means playing the system, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, PTSD. We also either. see it in uh, we also see it in um, heart disability cases. When there's um, a heart issue, also there can be a factor of stress that causes additional stress on the heart. Uh, we've won cases that way as well. Hmm, what about diabetes oh. and heart disease? How's that? I don't you mean in relation to PTSD? Uh, no, like in relation, like, you know, if you're, uh, it's like putting the cart before the horse. You know, yeah. if a person's in Vietnam and he develops diabetes, then then he gets that service effect, then the heart disease follows later. And they secondary yeah. that, uh, of course, it is ischemic now. It's a, it's a, it's a, but there's a lot of veterans out there that actually had diabetes first, and then the heart disease. Or exactly, heart disease first, and especially because the heart followed based on Nehmer. So, you know, the Nehmer lawsuit. So when the heart condition finally came up, you know, a lot of people had already filed for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, we I see a, a lot of heart disability cases. Yeah. So, uh, what's going on in the heel, you guys? In the, I'm sorry, what's the back connection today? <laughs> huh? Oh. No, sorry about that, back connection on my head. Uh, it's okay. Anything happened up on the hill? Uh, hill is Kelly Kennedy's job, so that is not my forte. <laughs> Unfortunately, she couldn't uh, join us today. So 
Kayla's on the heel. <laughs> she is. She's she's actually that's what she's doing today. So she's she's the hill person and um but definitely if you're not doing it yet, make sure you get on her blog, The Morning Muster. If you've been reading that at all. Actually I'm gonna link oh, out the website. Oh. I think I should be able to do that. Yeah. That'd be yeah, great. I'll link out to the website, yeah, because that's a we always want to know information about what's going on on the hill because it affects veterans in every way. Right. You know, even the littlest, even the littlest minute thing you think is not very important at all. There's people out there that will be geared geared to it. You know, because they want to know what's going on no matter what it is. You know. Exactly. And, uh, right. Even, and she sends out a daily blog email that has everything that's going on and you know lots of stories about not just VA but veterans in general, things like that. Okay. Well, well, we'll look uh, forward to having her on after she gets done with the hill there. Oh, she took a good. Yeah, break after she's after she's done. Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, now you can go to the website and subscribe to that blog, right? Yes. Okay. All right. We'll we'll put that on later in the show. Perfect. So are you picking up new clients along? I mean, oh, we're we're always numbers. picking up new clients. <laughs> really? Do you see the numbers increasing? Yeah, I mean, we are uh, seeing them. We uh, um we take a lot of non-presumptive Agent Orange conditions. I know we've mentioned this before, but we take a lot of conditions where the cancers aren't on the presumptive list or surviving spouse cases where the veteran died from a glioblastoma. Those are very common. And we take a lot of those cases, something that other firms don't take. They're very hard. We take those, and we also take a lot of military sexual trauma cases and call them MSTs. And a lot of times VA denies them right away, and it's very frustrating and difficult for the veteran. They're already in a, in, a, in a place where they have a lot of stress and anxiety about even coming forward and claiming the benefits for military sexual trauma. And then when VA denies them, it's even more difficult. Um, so we specialize in those as well. Uh, doesn't, the VA actually, doesn't the VA actually uh, mix in uh, personal assaults with that, not just MSTs? The same Correct. Criteria. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yes. Go ahead, Joe. Well, I know I had sexual trauma the instant I signed up in the military. I mean, I, can I claim that, Alicia? You might be able whenever to. I signed up, uh, you might I be signed able to. Up, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you can claim that. That's your claims folder. <laughs> You want to see his claim folder, girl? <laughs> I can't find. I can't find my claim folder. Oh, that's not surprising. Gerald need a tracker trailer to get his claim folder, do you? Yeah. You guys got any latest VA numbers on the? What's the backlog look like now, Alicia? You know, that I don't know. That's Kelly Kennedy. <laughs> okay. She didn't send me any of her updated numbers before she was out today. Mm. She's actually been out the whole day, so that's why. You ought to text her. What are the numbers? Keep... Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because any time the numbers go down, the pills go up, right? Oh, so true. Yeah. Okay. Is there anyone working on uh, any uh, attorney groups or groups that's gotten together working on uh, trying to get the BA to be more accountable for some of their actions? Not to my knowledge. You mean like a class action for wait times and such? Uh, yes. I, I, I think, uh, you know, I think that's probably the only way I know to do it because obviously Congress is not going to step up to the plate and say, hey, it's time to straighten this mess out. I mean, they have the authority to, I would imagine. Uh, and But uh, for whatever reason, it, it seems like the BA, I mean, you know, if you're going against the BA, uh, you're going to have a real difficult time in court. 
Correct. Uh, but there should be a means of, of, get, of making them accountable for some of their actions, or, or like have an arbitrator or someone you can go to. Right? I mean, a poor veteran don't have anyone to go to. I know, you it's terrible. Attorneys. Yeah, and, and uh, from what I'm gathering now across the country, they're treating attorneys like they do veterans. They don't care nothing about them. Oh, no, yeah, are you kidding? They don't like us either. <laughs> yeah, they don't like attorneys either. And, no. Uh, so that that makes it double rough. I mean, they already got their foot on you, but when you say you got an attorney, then they start squashing you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it, it's horrible. It is. And, I, uh, I agree. We have a lot of cases like that. <laughs> Yes, I suspect you do. And another thing that uh, I've noticed here recently is that uh, the VA's uh, reluctant to to actually pay attorneys their, their fair fees, you know. Right, uh, the withholding. I, 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 I'm finding that surprising. How in the world are they getting away with that? Right, when they're claiming the attorney hasn't done enough work on the case to to claim the fee. Well, what they claim done, they're looking out for the veterans. Opinion. No, they're not. <laughs> I know. Uh, we all know this. Uh, but uh, uh, it seems to me now you get an attorney on your case, it, it uh, behooves them to try to hurry up and get it settled. It's better if they let it drag on another four or five years, and uh, that's not right. That, that's what the BA is generating here. You can see where, where they're headed, and uh, uh, they'll they'll let time kill the attorneys like they're doing the veterans. Yeah, we do our best to move our clients' cases along as quickly as possible. Um, you know, and especially that still means they, they do still have a wait, in, but we just are able to, when VA is really stalling on it, threaten them a little bit more with with actions, with court actions, and say, we're going to do this if you don't comply, if you don't issue a decision. <laughs> oh, but not just, I mean, even with attorneys, they try and do that. They try and prolong the cases. Well, force the attorneys have that. They've got the you know the advantage too. They can file a writ at any time, you know, as long as they, you know if the VA does that to them. So. That's correct. Yeah, and that's what has to happen sometimes, unfortunately, with VA just taking so long. Yeah. So I've seen a couple of them. I've seen them backfire too. I've seen a couple of guys do writs, and next thing you know, two days later, they get a denial in the mail. <laughs> well, of course, it's a denial. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what happens. You yeah, know, we've seen a lot of claims that have been. Going to say we've seen a lot of claims that um, lately that have been reopened. Veterans are filing to reopen, and so we want to make sure that veterans are understanding their appeal dates as well, because it seems lately like our firm is seeing a lot of cases that VA or the veterans have missed their original deadline, so they're filing to reopen. Um, and usually it's just because they're so frustrated that VA denied they're waiting to appeal it because they don't even want to deal with it anymore. And then, unfortunately, they're missing that appeal date. And so when we see it, you know, they had the potential to get so many more benefits, and, you know, they just let the claims close out because they're so tired of dealing with VA. Yes. Yes, yes. I see that a lot, too. We see that. Uh, yeah. You guys still send a lot of uh, 3.156C claims? You know, we just won. We just won one, actually. Okay. We just had success with one. It was very, very clear cut, and yeah, we yeah. just just won it. I know a couple of vets that actually filed a claim, and they said they couldn't find the records and they denied the claim, and yep. they just gave up. And ten years later, they filed it again, and the records showed up, and then I guess they queued that first decision because there's no records involved. Right. Which can be done, I guess. So. Right, and then, yeah. you know, it has the potential for all those retroactive benefits. Yeah, retroactive benefits. Uh, retro is the biggest thing, you know, as far as, you know, effective date's a biggie. Effective date, yes, correct effective date, because VA often, something else we see is that the veteran will get a rating decision denial, and they either submit new evidence 
Um, or they might say something like, I want a higher rating for my PTSD. And instead of taking that as a notice of disagreement back before the regs changed, VA would just say, oh, it's a, they filed for a new claim. And so the veteran really had a, you know, a year earlier effective date, which can add up to quite a bit of money for the veteran in terms of those retroactive benefits. You know, so you have to always make sure that VA is assigning the correct effective date when, from you, when you first filed and not from an appeal date. Uh, yeah, you check your effective date, uh, people. Yeah, uh, to resolve those pretty easily uh, where the VA tries to pull that, I, I've heard of trying that time yes, and time we, again. Uh, yes, we see a number of those, and especially when um, we're evaluating potential clients, we see a lot of that. VA's made an error in the effective date. I can't tell you how many I send on that just have an error somewhere, and I have to do a procedural timeline for the person taking the case to say, this is what happened. VA made an error here, and they made an error here. And in one case, it added up to like three years on this one guy's claim, on this one veteran's claim, where VA had delayed it three years by just issuing the wrong decision. Luckily, the you know in those cases the, the retroactive money is still going to go to the veteran. The claim is still open. They've just delayed it so long, and you know the veterans really need those benefits. Well, yes, they do, and uh, their families. You know, uh, everybody suffers. The veteran and his family when they VA uh, pulls these uh, stunts that they do. Oh, exactly. Uh, I don't know how they can find it profitable. Uh, evidently, there's got to be a lot of money involved here for them to take the extra time and expense uh, that's required to really, uh, you know, make life so miserable for a veteran. Right. There's, there's, it's got to be profitable for someone because money, you know, that. That's what makes things go. Uh, who is benefiting financially by all this? Uh, delays and all the different tactics. My land every week. Is, every time you hear of a claim just about it, some new tactics being <laughs> pulled on the poor Exactly. VA is trying to save money somehow. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, uh, would uh, having the VA uh, fully funded, would that resolve the issue? I don't know. Right. I'm not sure. That's a good question for Kelly next time she's on. That might be. I might have to ask her that. Uh, I know I've heard that before a long time ago about fully funding the VA, but, I don't, you know, of course, that never, ever happened. Right, we can't even get them to make decisions now. <laughs> uh, ain't that the truth? Or pay your attorneys. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, there's there's some reason they're doing this, and I don't know. It must save them money somewhere. Uh, they don't mind doing it. I know that. Even cheap At least let me run this. Let me run a scenario by you and get your opinion, okay? Sure. This is hypo this is hy hypothetical situation, okay? Uh, let's see. The veteran gets discharged from service, mm -hmm. and he has some issues while he's in the service. Mm -hmm. uh, he files a claim several years after he got out of service, and that claim is denied because, like I said earlier, service part records are unavailable. Mm -hmm. He kind of gets the press from it and doesn't do anything, then he tries to reopen it four or five years later. And when he reopens the claim, they found the records. But they deny the claim again based on there's no information inside the records, according to the VA, that substantiate the veteran's claim. Mm -hmm. But the veteran gets upset and writes a notice of disagreement about it, and it comes back that he gets his award based on the information in the record. Mm-hmm. Now, would 3.156 fall to that? Would that be a, a cue, you think? Yes. Yes. 
He would go back to the original date of claim as long as he keeps that claim open. Yeah, it goes back to the original date of claim as long as the grant for service connection is made in conjunction with those service records. Okay. We see that that is common in some cases. Um, what else is common too is veterans are are um, they're discharged with personality disorder. Oh yeah. And so yeah. It, I mean, yeah, that's also very common as well, and veterans don't know that they can get benefits because they think, oh, I have personality disorder, that's non-compensable. But a lot of times, you know, VA has misdiagnosed it. Yeah, I had a veteran that was a Vietnam era vet. He was on the Mars, he was Mars. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, I mean, they would go right into the name Harbor and everything. And he developed ischemic, like, vascular disease, not just heart, but everything. And he had like uh, he had like aneurysms and everything. They had to fix him. They discharged him with the personnel, so it wouldn't give him benefits for nothing until we finally got a hold of his claim. And uh, he finally got things situated, got it overturned. Now he's a hundred percent. Wow! But uh, it happens, but it's pretty rare. It is. It is rare. It's also rare um, that VA will grant back to the original date of claim. Um, if the veteran doesn't contest it. So even though VA will say this grant was made based on these new service records, which we saw recently somebody had a 100% grant, and they said based on your service records that were unavailable, quote, unavailable for review before, um, we're going to grant you service connection. And so we um, took it to argue that it should have gone all the way back to about like 1970, I think it was, when the veteran first filed. But that they just granted from, you know, that 2008 date onward. And they never would have gone back if somebody doesn't have an attorney that knows to look for that. And a lot of veterans don't even know to look for that. Yeah, 3.156 is a very powerful tool, folks. Very powerful. It's definitely, definitely a good thing to to know if you've ever filed a claim before. That's powerful. Good. What other types of claims have Bergman Moore been working with? Anything, anything substantial or anything to be precedent setting? Because you know, a lot of these claims, like I know, I know the BVA cases and things like that are, you know, they're they're, they're pretty cases to get into. But the ones that actually have meaning to us are the court cases because you can use them in your claim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes we actually, you can. We actually had a recent court reversal, which is really rare. Um, it was a leukemia case, and the board denied it. And a lot of times what happens is the board denies it, and you appeal it to the court, and the court just agrees and says, yes, the board made an error in their decision, and it's going to go back to the board. It's going to get remanded back for the board to make a new decision. And in this case, the court actually said, no, the board was so wrong that we're going to overturn the decision, and we're going to reverse the decision. And we're, So they granted um, it was a surviving spouse case, and that case ended up getting the surviving spouse roughly um, $400,000, just slightly under $400,000 in retroactive pay because that's how long VA had gone on with this case, that they just kept denying this poor woman. And then we took it, we were able to win her all the retroactive benefits at the court, which is very rare. You know, she probably had a really hard time. She probably struggled for years and things like that. You know, so she deserves every penny she got and then some. Oh, definitely, absolutely. You know, but these poor surviving spouses, it's it's very frustrating for them because, you know, first you're losing your spouse, and that in itself is so hard and heartbreaking. And then to have to deal with VA on top of that, it's just so stressful, and a lot of spouses will give up. We see a lot of spouses, and it's also good to know that um, the vigil regulations also apply to surviving spouse cases. It's not just a veteran. So if we have a widow who files in, you know, 2003 when her husband first passes away and then is denied and doesn't file again until now, and we're able to find additional service records, it can go back further. It can go back to that original filing date. Right. Okay. Hmm. Do, do you guys do much uh, substitution type stuff? We do. We do a lot of that. Um, we've seen it more when somebody we've been working on a case for a long time might pass away in the middle of a case, or has we've taken them on knowing they're terminally ill. Um, and then what we do is we substitute in the widow or the appellant, and we get them the retroactive benefits, and we call it accrued benefits, because until the point where the veteran dies, 
the widow gets paid at that same veteran amount. So if we're able to get it service-connected, whatever the issue is, and get them the 100%, that widow is going to get paid what the veteran would have gotten paid if they were still alive up until the date of death, and then afterwards they get the surviving spouse rate, which is much lower than the, than the veteran rate. So it's good for them to know that they can be substituted in in place of their husband if they pass away in the middle of a claim. Now, That's what good about to know. children? Uh, uh, suppose you uh, had children that were minors when the veteran filed the claim, mm -hmm. and then they got substituted in. Would that same rule apply? Yeah, you can only substitute in minors under 18, so they'd have to be under 18. Oh, okay. So if they went to, to 19 or 20, then Correct. They're just totally without any resolve. Correct. Yeah, it's only until 18. Uh, therefore, uh, you know, if a veteran was to die, and even though his children were minors when he filed and he had them listed, uh, they're still out to go. Yes, Not I really mean, if the child is under 18, right. then even you can substitute a child. Yeah. Even if a child was over 18 and the accrued benefits came in, they'd go back to the 100% date award, and that child would still be eligible for his, uh, you know, like, uh, say, the CHAMP VA benefits till his age and, and the Chapter 35 educational benefits, right? Right. Okay. Correct. Well, that, that would be a headache to figure out, but it's been done before. <laughs> you know, we help our clients with that a lot, the dependency and things like that, once we get grants. It's, it is. VA screws it up a lot. We've heard a lot lately about them screwing up dependency things, that mm -hmm. veterans send in something that says, I got divorced, and VA claims they never got it, and all of a sudden, three years later, they're saying, there's a $10,000 overpayment. Mm -hmm. Send things certified. That's, that's always our goal here. If we can tell you anything, send things to VA certified. Make sure that they get them. Exactly. Make sure that VA gets them so that you have that receipt. So if VA says, we never received this, you can say, yes, you did. Well, now things are different, though, right? Don't they use them intake centers now? they got one east and west? That is correct. And we've actually seen a lot better responses to things lately. Um, but I would say that's only, you know, from the beginning of this year or so. So lately it's been a lot better. However, that's to us, you know, to the veterans themselves. Sometimes they're not as good. Hmm. But we've definitely Makes seen a better response to our to our appeals, yes. Good. I'm glad you guys are on top of it. Definitely. I'm glad you guys are on top of it, you know. I mean it's uh, you guys do a good service. We thank you. What about your outreach? You guys still do are you guys still traveling doing a little bit of outreach? I know there's uh, Port you've been to Puerto Rico, right? Yeah, yes. We go to Puerto Rico. Um, usually once a month we're down there. I'm down there every three months, I'd say, or four months. And we do workshops down there. And we work with different veteran service organizations in the area. And we will host an all-day event where veterans can bring their paperwork and we'll help them go over it and work with them and see if there's anything we can do to help them. How's your Spanish? Huh, no bien. <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> No bueno español, sí. No, my Spanish is terrible. My my reading of VA claims is very good, but my Spanish is bad. My Spanish is pretty good. It works really well on telemarketers. No, maybe maybe we should hire you. Uh, I was flattering, but, but I enjoy what I do. Enjoy what I do. Good. Good. Do you guys do any outreach in the U.S. too, or is it just in other places? We do. We do some outreach in the area, and that's also Kelly Kennedy. She does the outreach and reaches out to different veteran groups in the area, especially because she is a veteran. Uh, and I know she's hoping to expand and do some more within the next year. You know, I was thinking along more along the lines of, like, maybe Appalachia, Eastern Kentucky, and places like that where, you know, there are veterans out there, and there's not very – They've got some VA clinics and stuff, but they're not, you know, there's a, it's very, very isolated. Correct, right. You know, it's just, uh, I always thought about getting a bus and driving just up through there, you know, and doing some outreach and things like that, but it's just, it's too expensive to do that. And, uh, but it's always a good thing. 
Right, you know, a lot of people don't realize they have benefits, that they need help with them, and they don't realize that there is that assistance out there. Alicia, you would be surprised the veterans that I run into that are Vietnam veterans in country mm-hmm. were treated so bad when they got back in Vietnam that they've gone into a shell and they want nothing to do with the VA or anything. So I bet it's it's so traumatic for them to even apply for benefits sometimes. You know, it's been a hard process, and they don't like talking about it and even bringing it up. You know, a couple of guys don't have running water or nothing. You know, you talk to them, and they're like, we don't, you know, they don't care. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's important to get the word out and get them to understand they've got benefits available. Correct. They do have benefits, and you know, right, mental health benefits. treatment as well. Mental That's available as well to the veterans. Uh, well, you look at the age of Vietnam veterans now. Most of these guys in their seventies now. That's correct. That's what we see are mostly Vietnam clients. So, you know, the older they get, you know, less computer skills they're going to have, and they don't want to really get involved with it. So it it's very confusing, too. It's just, you know, now VA makes you fill out all the forms, and they make you put down the percentages and what you're looking for, and it's just so overwhelming for everyone. It is overwhelming. It's a, but I'm glad you guys do what you do. I mean, it's... But you guys are, you guys are still taking on new claims, right? Oh, all the time, all the time we're taking them on. And if, you know, you're not sure if you have something, you even think you might need a lawyer, just give us a call. We're happy to do the consultation and give you some advice going forward. Are you one of the screeners? Do you screen yourself? Yep, I do. That's good because, I mean, it's good for folks to talk to somebody that's my nose. You know, we can... Correct. If we can't help them, if it's not something we can help with, we'll find them someone who can help. Good deal. Definitely, Um, yeah. We don't don't want anybody to go without help. (laughs) Who have you got attorney with? I know you got, uh, yeah, I know you got uh, uh, Bergman and Moore, I guess Glenn and Doug. And uh, you got some more attorneys in the group now? I would say appellate attorneys. We have right now 10, maybe 12. And total in the firm, we have about 15, I'd say. Okay. Now, are you guys in D.C. itself, or are you guys outside D.C.? We are just outside D.C. in Bethesda, Maryland. Bethesda. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think I've been by there. I've been there last year. Yeah, so. Yeah, we're really close to D.C. It's a little bit outside. Yeah. It's a little bit outside. Yeah. Are How far from College Park are you? Or, or what? Sorry. Uh, are we putting attorneys on? Are we putting attorneys on? Yeah. Uh, on where? Attorneys or? On where? Are we hiring department. new attorneys? Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. We actually oh, yeah. have just hired a couple yeah. new attorneys. Couple We're taking a lot more course oh, cases at the Court of Appeals for Veterans at Claims at the ABC, so we need some more appellate attorneys for that. And that's all they handle, right? Correct. That's all that they handle. Our firm has a couple different sides, and one just handles appeals at the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, and the other one does at VA. Oh, okay. That's what it takes. But, I mean, you know, you look at the guy that started the law firm, and I guess they both worked for the VA, didn't they? Yes, both um, Glenn and Joe used to work for VA. Glenn Bergman used to work for the court, and Joe Moore used to work for VA. And then they each started their own solo firm, and then they decided to partner up, and they opened Bergman and Moore in 2004. 2004. We've helped a lot of veterans during that time. That's good. Of course, they also realize, too, that VA law is coming new. It's still pretty new law. It's still pretty small. There aren't a lot of people who practice in that area, and there aren't a lot of firms who, like we do, just specialize in that. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing for you all. <laughs> Cut you up the competition. Definitely. Are you? Uh, they just had on the news here a while back that uh, they were going away or put out of work or 
or uh, discharge like 40,000 uh, veterans. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you seen any of those come in? Uh, no, I haven't seen any of those no, yet. I, I imagine I will. <laughs> I imagine I will. I'm, just, I'm certain you will. Uh, yes. Without a doubt, I, yes. I believe you will. Alicia, are you are you all seeing a lot of Gulf War vets? Are you all seeing a lot of Gulf War vets? You know, we do see, I would say, a handful of Gulf War vets. We don't see that many, and I think it's because it's just such a frustrating process for them. A lot of them are applying for Gulf War illness, and VA is just coming back and saying, no, you don't have anything, there's nothing wrong with you, and they really have these severe symptoms that they're trying to get benefits for, and it's very frustrating that VA just denies them over and over. All right. Now, has anyone ever challenged the VA PTSD rigs on diagnosis and things? No. No. Not that I'm aware of, anyway. That needs to be challenged. That needs to be challenged. A lot of things in VA need to be challenged. Yeah, for example, you know, you can't get an outside opinion unless it's a treating doctor and things like that. Correct, right. Correct, right. I've seen that so many times now. It's actually coming back around by people on the backside. They file a claim to get an IMO, and they send that IMO in, and they take the IMO and water it on the garbage. Just not, you know, they can't use it. And I mean, they can use those in, in favor of supporting their claim. It's just VA will argue that oh, they don't have a diagnosis of PTSD. They have depressive disorder or something else, and then they deny the PTSD claim, and it's just such a runaround. Yeah, it is. It is. <clears throat> it is. It's a lot of running around. Hopefully they're all nervous and uh, on on ice cubes and pins and needles because the political structure might change one of these days and it might work out for the, you know, for the veteran. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. We're praying that it will anyway. We're praying that it will anyway. But, uh, but uh, I don't know. But you guys need to Hang in there, and don't get burned out like a lot of these guys do. Oh no, not at all. Oh no, not at all. <laughs> but uh, now, maybe we can get you and Kelly back on, you know, together in the show, and maybe we can get some data type information out of the hill and see what's going on there. That would be great. As soon as Kelly gets back, we'll get on that. Kelly gets back, we'll get on that. Yeah, we'll find the channel. Oh, she makes some good headway there on the right. Me too. Yeah. I want to apologize. We have got an echo in the in, in the system right now, but this is blog talk issue we're working on, okay? Yeah. It uh it's not too bad, John. I I'm not hearing it like I was. Now um how many claims uh, does Birdman and Moore currently have in the works? Do you know, Alicia? So I would say in front of so VA, we have roughly 600 maybe. We represent 600 clients in front of VA. In front of the court right now, I'm in not sure. Right now, I'm not sure. Oh, man, that's quite a few. How in the world are you keeping up with 600 clients? We're very busy. We have a lot of. We've taken on a lot of new employees in the past year. We've expanded quite a bit. Uh, I bet you have. But I think that's great because. Uh, uh, well, I'm sorry to hear there's 600 people need help, but there. Exactly. Of course we know they are, and, and a lot more. But. Uh, well, I hope you pick up on some. Some good. Uh, advice you can give veterans, uh, especially when they first start filing a claim. I think a lot of veterans get in so much trouble with their claim in the very uh, beginning, in the genesis of the the claims process uh, is where a lot of them get sideways. And uh, by the time it gets up to where they they can or realize that they need professional help. Uh, the claim is uh, almost needs to be uh, uh, restructured. Have you found that? 
That's true. We we do see a lot of that as well. We're lucky, you know, that we have so much experience in this. So when we get a claim that's kind of been through the ringer with VA, we're generally able to turn it around and get a medical opinion and really make a strong argument for the veteran and use the regulations and use the law to our advantage, which a lot of veterans just, you know, aren't able to do themselves. It's very difficult to get all the evidence put together if VA just keeps denying you and you're getting more frustrated. Yes, yeah. it is. It, it certainly makes you. You just, uh, you know, you're wondering what in the world are they doing? What are they looking at? I send all this evidence in, and they say I need this, that, and something else, or you got to resend it. And uh, uh, oh, it can be. It, it turns into a real nightmare, and pretty soon you're lost. You're out here and. Uh, Right. And a lot of people can feel very hesitant to contact an attorney because they're not sure about payment for an attorney. And they'll think, I don't have any income right now. I'm not working and I can't pay an attorney. But the good thing is that with us, we work on contingency. We don't get paid until we win for someone. There's no upfront or hidden costs with us. It's very beneficial to veterans. You all take full advantage of yeah. Uh, your fee was what, 33% or something? We're th- correct. We're 33%. Um, and But we'll offset whatever. When we go to the court, we get paid under the Equal Access to Justice Act. So we get paid by the government for any work we do at the court. And we offset that on the VA side of the law firm. So we subtract that amount from the 33%. Oh, oh. So we're not paid twice. So we're not paid twice. Okay, so if you can catch the government to where, or the VA uh, to where they have, they have really done a, a, a rigged up deal on a poor veteran and the court comes back and says, hey, wait a minute. No, uh, you're going to pay this X amount in attorney fees, then you can deduct that off to the 30 that's exactly what we do. And also, if we represent a court a, or a client only at the court level, not in front of VA, which happens sometimes, it doesn't cost the client a thing. We get paid under the Equal Access to Justice Act. Yep. Also, keep in mind, folks, and, and in defense of the 33%, you know, I mean, most lawyers will charge anywhere from 20, 20 to 20-some percent, but with Burger Moore for understand if you know if you have a claim going on and you're, you need an independent medical opinion or something like that, they'll send you to get it. Oh, that's correct. We do that for our, our clients all the time. And charging the 33% is a little bit higher, but it's what allows us to win those claims and front the money for other veterans to get medical opinions, which is how we win our cases. And some of these medical opinions cost thousands of dollars, folks. It's not cheap. That's correct. Generally, our medical opinions run anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000 each. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, been there, done that, ain't you, Jerry? Been there, done that, <laughs> Yes, I am. Uh, but uh, I wish, uh, Alicia, is there any way we could get this fee structured like you just described it, uh, where we could post it there and add it, or is that proper? Sure, we can link. Yeah, we can sure, give we you can the page from our yeah, website if it has it. Website, it. We'll just put a link to it. We can do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, I have heard some say, "Well, Bergman, the more thirty-three percent," but they they don't understand the full structure of the situation. Uh, they're only getting part of it. They're not getting the full correct answer. Right. Yeah, you know, right. Some shows with Bergman Moore, here's what you get. You know. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm going to be certain that they know the facts. Yeah. It may not turn out to be 33%. It might only be a 15 for instance, or uh, depending yeah. on the court. Yeah. Well, that's, 
it's like buying a truck, Gerald. You go buy a regular Chevrolet truck, pay $20,000 for it, and you get a heater and an air conditioner and a steering wheel. When you buy the LTD package, you get the heated seats and everything. So. <laughs> you get what you pay for. That's just an option. <laughs> oh, that's a story. That's a show in itself, folks. Let me uh, ask you a question. I, I've got a couple of pet peeves. Sure. Um, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've been doing this for over 20 years. And when you start seeing claims at the BVA or at the court, okay, and when you see the claims get they get decided at both levels and they're not denied, what percentage of those claims are actually remanded back? Um, a lot of them. When they so, if the board denies it and it goes to the court and it goes remand back to the board, almost all the time the board will remand it back to the regional office. They don't want to deal with it. You know, they want to send it for a new medical opinion or new development or something. They'll they'll send it back. Anytime there's any kind of extra schedule or TDIU, they love sending those back to the regional office. Oh yeah. I like to see a lot more reversals uh, uh, myself. Uh, what if they're sending it back to the uh, uh, NPRC? That does happen. Is Well, they'll request records from the NPRC, which is what the regional office does. They'll send it back to the regional office, and the regional office will put in the request for those records, which is, again, additional development. Now, here's the million-dollar question. Now, here's the million-dollar question. As an attorney group, can you guys keep these remands out of the black hole? Yes. Yes. Uh, that is common in people who are not clients will call and say, my claim has just been on remand forever. It's not going anywhere. They're not doing anything. And what we do in our case is if they remand, say, for records from the NPRC, we contact the NPRC or RC ourselves. We get those records. We submit them to VA so our client's not waiting for on VA to do it. Okay. Folks, the black hole was uh, – go ahead, Joe. You know, it depends. Honestly, we've gotten them in a couple weeks, sometimes a month, roughly that, that kind of time frame. But then we have to submit them to VA, and they still have to review them, which can take a little longer. How does AMC come play it on this? So they'll, sometimes um, they'll remand to the AMC, and they'll also do the development work. But, again, they're so behind in those claims that it just takes so long. We've gotten calls lately that say, my claim's been sitting there two years. They haven't done anything on it. And they're supposed to. That's their job. But <laughs> I've got a friend who's been to AMC now for seven years. Oh, my gosh. So, and every time it's, uh, it's sent it back to the board, it goes back. Yep, the board loves to do that. Yep, the board loves to do that. How can you stop that vicious cycle? Well, like I said, you know, when it, we take on a client, we're able to submit anything that VA's gotten, and we can threaten them with a writ, or we can, you know, make other legal arguments at them that veterans just aren't aware of if they don't have somebody representing them. And unfortunately, it can just take following up with them numerous times and getting somebody to tell you what's going on or where it is. I see a lot of exposure issues treated like that myself. Yeah, it's really unfortunate because that sort of is like the hole where they don't really have anywhere to go. The board has said, no, it needs to go back for more development. And they're saying, well, we, you're waiting in line. We have all these other people ahead of you. But isn't it supposed to be expedited? No. 
It is, but unfortunately, is, VA is just so behind. They don't always follow that rule. They don't always follow that rule. I do want to tell you a good thing, though. I do want to tell you a good thing, though. Ooh. I, I know like a claimant. Uh, like this guy uh, was discharged from the Army in 45 with active tuberculosis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 100% undischarged. discharged him. And back in 58, they examined him and said, you're cured. They cut him completely. Oh, my gosh. And that was a key. Because they should have taken 30 percent. Well, he got that back, but the tuberculosis already caused so much damage in his lungs. This guy's down 90 some years old. Oh my gosh! And he finally he kept his claim open. He's got a gr- attorney group helping him. Uh, he's got the opinions he needs to get it 100 percent for his lung lung, lung disorders. Mm-hmm. The regional office denied it, and he got a BVA hearing on a, I guess it's a, a video conference. Yeah. In ten, days. in ten days. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. So. Those claims, anything having to do with uh, Q is really tricky, which is uh, what sounds like that is. With clear and unmistakable error, those claims can be really tricky. Yeah, it's a million dollar claim. That's, that's the problem. They won't pay the money. Right, right, which is exactly why they don't want to pay out when they owe a veteran a lot of money. So. It's, it's tragic. It's tragic. But that's it why really we need you guys to help. Exactly. And we you know we are more than happy to consult do a consultation on anything. Yeah. Okay. We do appreciate you guys. We do. We do appreciate you guys. We do. Yeah. Of course. A lot of folks out there. Hopefully we'll you some business. You know. Yeah, well hopefully we can uh you know, steer guy in the right direction even if you don't take on their case. That's correct. Or if we can't take it on yet, since we can only take them when they're in the appeal stage, we'll definitely tell them to call us back when they get a decision if they're not happy with it. That means an approval, too, an award or a grant. If you don't agree with it, still take it to the court, right? Correct. Even if it's a denial, even if they grant you, say, they grant PTSD and they assign 50%, that is still considered an appeal. Yeah. So... A lot of folks don't understand that, so I wanted to put that little little tidbit in there. Right, which is also how they miss the appeals deadline. Getting your hands on the claims file now, uh, have you found that to be hard? You know, getting a claim file and finding it intact, properly intact. Um, you know, getting a claims folder definitely, um, <laughs> there's, we can tell generally if one's not complete. We've been doing this long enough that we can, when we review it, we can say, I think there's service records missing. I think there are other things missing here. And sometimes we have to put in a request for VA to send us another one or for different records or something. They can be. I've actually had ones that I've gotten from the board where it looks like somebody just purposely dropped it on the floor and put it all back together randomly. All back together randomly. No. It must have been my And it can take us a Here's long your, time to get them, and then once we get them, they're still screwed up. Here's your scenario, okay? You get somebody's service record, somebody's uh, VA record, you start going through it, you get down about four or five pages through it, here's 20 pages of somebody else's information there. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I have actually. That happened with a client here. <laughs> what do y'all do with that? In that case, we sent them back to VA with a letter saying that they needed to contact the person who's, they they were medical records too, unfortunately, but the person whose medical records they sent us is part of our veterans claims folder, and we told them they needed to let the veteran know that there had been, you know, like a breach in confidence that somebody else had, luckily it was an attorney that had gotten sent their records, and not some random person, but we told them they needed to do that, and whether they did or not, we'll never know, but we did send them back to VA. So that's a HIPAA violation, isn't it? Correct, yes. Correct, yes. Mm. Oh. Yeah. 
And unfortunately, there's no way for us to notify somebody if there's no phone number or address or anything on there. <laughs> I've seen it happen four times. I've seen it happen four times. I've seen it happen more than once. Yep. Alicia and I called the BA and told him. Uh, at the office that I was told to call, and uh, they said, "Well, take and put that in the mail and mail it to us." And oh I my said, God! Oh, I'm not going to oh do that. God. I ain't about to do that. I said, "It's here. Uh, uh, you send the proper personnel up here with proper identification. I'll gladly surrender." Uh, but once I get a receipt. Uh, but I ain't mailing it nowhere, and I didn't. Right. They got pretty mad right. at me. But uh, 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 that this this particular one had the guy's social security number, address, everything, and uh, for identity thieves, it, it would be uh, you know what they're looking for. Right. And, Right. It's uh now that actually happened to me. As a matter of fact, I've been working on that for the last two weeks, but or maybe longer. I don't remember, but uh, it's it's a bad deal, you know. That somebody else's records, and like you say, that's a HIPAA violation. Right, and it makes now, you wonder about your own records. Well, that's what I told him. I said, if I have his record, does he have mine? And, Great. Uh, Great. It, it was uh, a ward letter and stuff for the guy. Wow. Uh, wow. So what do you do with it? I'm not mailing that down anywhere in my land. I, I mean, I could be in enough trouble just receiving it, even though <laughs> I didn't solicit it. <laughs> Yeah, in our case, we sent them back uh, to VA. Yeah, but I imagine shredding them is another good option. Shredding them is another good option. Well, I'm not putting it in the mail. I know that. I'll put my own stuff in the mail, but not somebody else's like that. Right. Right. So, anyway, but that's what we run into. I think it's probably becoming more commonplace, too. It's, it, to me, it's just another delay tactic that uh, veterans run into because it takes uh, quite a while sometimes to straighten these situations out, and you don't want to get in trouble. But John, didn't you know a guy that took some man down to regional office and they wanted to arrest him? <laughs> they tried to, yeah. They tried to. <sighs> they had the cops come in and they were going to arrest him. cops come in and they were going to arrest him. Because he took somebody else, you know, he got somebody Trying to give it back to him. He took it in. Yeah, he was trying to give it back to the regional office, which I would have thought been the proper thing to do. Yeah, uh, that really, really, really strange on him. Really strange on him. But he got out of there and he put the records in the mail to the, he sent them to the IG. He sent them to the Don't blame him either. I don't blame him either. Well, you know, you don't know what to do. Uh, because dealing with classified material, and, you know, I'm not here where Clinton. I, uh, she might know what she's doing, but I don't. So <laughs> I think she'll answer for her indiscretions, probably. Anyway, this. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, has really been an interesting show, Alicia. You've enlightened us a lot. Good, I'm glad. I feel like I can write. I, I feel like I could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely could. Definitely could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're about out of time. No, on it. Well, when's uh, uh, Kelly do back. We'll have you both on. We'll have us a good hee-haw here. That sounds good. We'd love to come that back. That sounds good. We'd love to come back. 
Oh, oh, yes, yes. You brighten our day. Oh, thanks. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you just a wealth of information. And uh, here we got a couple of things cleared up that we wasn't aware of, so that's helpful. Uh, especially on the fees involved with Bergman and Moore. I'm glad to hear that. That sounds logical. Yep. And uh, yep. members. Because that on the last show we done. But I, I think we're out of time. Uh, John, uh, you want to close us out here? Yeah, well, thanks, oh, everybody, thanks for listening. On, yeah, thank you. And we'll do this again pretty yeah, soon. We'll do this again pretty soon. And we want to thank everybody. And this is B.J. Bastard on behalf of the one and only Gerald Cook. On behalf of the one and only Gerald Cook. We'll be signing off for now. We'll be signing off for now. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Master Show.